time in Colorado these past 24 hours, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's it's been crazy, and I, I've been doing a lot of uh, write-ups on that, the whole issue with the uh, with Trump being taken off. I mean, I, you know, I I don't agree with it on on constitutional grounds. Uh, I, I don't think I think it's a slippery slope. I, I don't think the government should be able to say you did something without putting you on trial. I think it's a slippery slope, no matter what side you're on, for the government to be able to say you're an insurrectionist without convicting you of being an insurrectionist. And I, I think it's it's dangerous for whatever party you're in. And it's something as Americans, we, we, we need to be careful about and not allow it to happen. If you put Trump on trial and he gets convicted, that's a whole other story. But to just say somebody's an insurrectionist, they can come around and say any of us are insurrectionists at any time just because they can. And that's, and that's you know, constitutionally, that's just not right. We live in a free republic. Stuff like that shouldn't be happening. That's the insane part is there's no conviction. Yeah. There's no exactly. court of law that said, yes, he did this. It's, well, it's cut you know, and dry it, case. It, it, if you look, you know, and the arguments being made on the left that the 14th Amendment doesn't say that you need a criminal case. But if you look at why the 14th Amendment was written and why they were using it, they were using it against Confederate leadership. So they knew those guys were insurrectionists because they wore a different military uniform. They carried arms against the Union, and they tried to overthrow a government literally by going to war. That did not happen in this case. And, and, and to just take a standard and say what Trump did was insurrection, that should go before a court of law to determine what that standard is, not just to be able for, for people in a political party to say you are an insurrectionist. It's, it's dangerous for whatever side, because if the Democrats get away with it now, you don't think the Republicans are going to use that when they have a chance? It's dangerous and it should not happen. That's what surprises me is people are missing that point. They don't understand that, yeah, you might agree with this use case right now yeah, because it's against the guy like that Trump. you like. Yeah. Right. But yeah. for well, years against now, you. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Right. Right. That has been yeah, shocking to see not people support this and say, yeah. oh, it's good. We got to do this. It's almost by any means necessary just to get him off the ballot. But the, yep. the tools that you use today are going to be used against you tomorrow. It's just a matter Absol of time. Absolutely. And that's what we have to be very careful about. You know, it, 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 we, we've become so separated in this country. You know, we, we're, you're either left, you're right. We, we still have a constitution and we all fall under that constitution. And, and we shouldn't allow things like this to happen. The Sixth Amendment comes before the Fourteenth Amendment, and the Sixth Amendment guarantees you a right to a trial. And then to say that when it gets down to the Fourteenth Amendment, nope, no trial. You're an insurrectionist, and that's it. It, it just, it, it just, in, in my mind, that is a very slippery slope. It's dangerous, and it's something that we have to be very careful about. I'm interested to see how this plays out. The Supreme Court picks it up. Yeah, absolutely. Or I've, I've heard that. The Republican convention is considering going caucus in Colorado because they don't want to yeah. deal with it. Vivek Ramaswamy said he won't, he refuses to be on the ballot if Trump's not on there. We're, it feels like we're gearing up for, for something. Yeah, it, it, this, this is going to be a really wild year. Uh, you know, to with, say with everything that's already happening, happening already, you know, we, uh, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of different things pulled out, a lot of, uh, a lot of infighting that you're going to see. And it's one of the reasons why I hate primaries. You know, I mean, you know, if you look at this Republican primary, it's just all about making everybody else look bad. Right. So like, you, you know, it, it's, it's name calling, it's backstabbing, it, it's childish. I, you know, I, I've always hated that primary process because I think it ruins potentially good leadership down the line. 
Like you make fun of everybody and you hit on everybody so much that you actually darken what they are if they ever try to run again for anything else. I mean, you've, you've ruined that leadership. And we're always constantly looking for new leadership because we have all these issues where we, you know, we're constantly infighting all the time. I don't even know if we have that kind of leadership around anymore where you don't get down in the mud and come up dirty. Yeah. It's, we're not even talking about policy anymore in these debates or in these issues. It's all this cult of personality and who can get the best soundbite that attacks their opponents yeah. and then can blow it's up on Twitter. It's not a real Twitter. debate. Yeah, it, it's, it's not a real debate. Like, like people have lost that skill of actually debating. Like, like this, this is more name calling, dragging through the mud. And, and like you said, getting that perfect soundbite that you can put on Instagram or you can put on Twitter. And, and that's not what debating is about. Like, look for the merits in, in what your message is. And let's, let's debate on topic, you know, and, and, and get away from this, you know, dragging people's names through the mud. Let's debate on substance. Can your idea hold up to scrutiny or is it wrong? And then let's right. form a better plan. Let's come up with a better idea. Yeah. Nobody wants to do that anymore. And I think this is almost perfectly indicative of that. What's interesting about the place where the Democrat Party is right now is they're constantly screaming about democracy being on the line. And yet it feels like at every turn, they're undermining democracy. Yeah. I don't understand that. Uh, no. And, and again, you know, the, the, the two parties have become so separated. So polarized. Uh, yeah, it's so polarizing. You know, I, I mean, I, I grew up in, in, in New York. My, my, you know, my dad was a union guy, more of a, a conservative Democrat. Um, you know, what that party was, you know, in the 70s and 80s is not what the Democrat Party is today. You know, and, and I'm, I'm a conservative guy. I'm, I'm a Republican. But, you know, it, it's, it, it's looking at how far apart we are as, as parties. Um, it, it really goes to show why more people are going toward the center. Like a lot of people are giving up the parties and becoming unaffiliated or becoming independent. It's, it's because they don't hold those severe right or severe left uh, issues anymore. They're, they're, they don't care about that. They care about putting food on the table. They care about putting their kids through college, whether they can afford a home. You know, all this other fighting that's going on on, on both sides, on the extremes on both sides, it, it, it doesn't affect the common man. And, and that's why we're seeing some of this polarization that, that we're seeing. Well, one of the most polarizing issues I think we face right now is the border, which is why I was yeah. happy I found you because you've been speaking on this issue, you're open about it, and that feels like something nobody wants to touch right now. It feels like it's falling apart. I mean, what is happening down there? Yeah, it look, it's it's a mess. And, uh, you know, just a little bit for about about my background. So I, I spent 24 years in immigration customs enforcement. Uh, I retired as the field office director uh, for ICE for all of Colorado and, and Wyoming. Um, I was dragged over to Washington, D.C. and headquarters to help with the Afghanistan withdrawal. Um, I was the chief of staff on the southwest border in 2018 under Donald Trump. So, you know, I've, I've seen a lot about the border. I've dealt with the border, you know, for the last 24 plus years. Um, and it's definitely been a huge change of what's happening at the border. So when I first started working for INS, it was under President Clinton. And the I Immigration Nationality Act, uh, you know, IRA IRA had just come out and a lot of law was written about immigration. And there was this whole new uh, idea of what immigration was going to be, a new set of laws that we were going to follow. 
But the problem is when those laws were enacted in 1996, no president actually followed up exactly with the way the law was written. And our border has just been falling apart since then. Like the, the, the actual law, the INA, is actually a great law. Like the laws that are in there, if we actually enacted them, we would have a pretty good immigration uh, 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 policy. But no president has actually fully uh, integrated that. I mean, President Trump tried. Every time he tried to do something, people were like, oh, he's just coming up with this stuff. Meanwhile, no, he was dragging laws out that just were never used before. And, and people you know, were thinking he was making it up. But, but the problem at the border right now is, is very self-inflicted. Like this administration has allowed this to happen. And, and, and there's no way that you can look at it and say that that's not true. If you look at every president before, so you know, under President Clinton, <clears throat> I was making a lot of arrests as an INS officer. Under President Bush, we transitioned in, into uh, Department of Homeland Security. I became ICE. We made a lot of arrests and, and we, we, we held the border pretty steady under President Bush. Even under President Obama, the first term of President Obama, we made more deportations under him as a president than under any president that has been uh, there, you know, since Bill Clinton had uh, Ira Ira signed. So, you know, all those presidents were actually doing something. Trump tried to do something about the border. Obama built a wall. President Clinton built a wall. Bush built a wall. Everyone's been building walls. Trump comes in. Trump builds a wall. You know, it's 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 mass hysteria. Um, when Biden came in, I mean, immediately under this administration, they tried to do a hundred day moratorium against deportation. That was actually struck down by a federal judge. Um, and then the Biden pr uh, administration came in and set up all these priorities saying that they didn't want certain people arrested and they were going to kind of lean off of what was happening at the border because they were looking at these pathways of entry. Uh, you know, go moving forward till now, when you look at what's happening at the border, they're allowing all these people to come in and they're not stopping them. And the argument that a lot of people make is, well, hey, these people are claiming asylum. I will tell you that 80% of the cases that are down there on the border right now cannot claim asylum. They're coming in for economic opportunity. Today, I watched on the news as a, as, as a reporter was asking some guys from India that had come over why they were here. Initially, they were saying, to work, to work, we want to make money. And then one guy and, and the group looked at them and, and told them to, to be quiet. And he said, because we're in danger in our country. And that, that was scripted 100%. They're told to say that. They're told they say they're in danger because they know economic opportunity is not a means to ask for asylum when you come into the United States. And the numbers that have come in are affecting this country. We are allowing so many people and we're allowing whole cities of people to cross the border. You know, there, since the start of this fiscal year, which ended uh, September 30th, so the new fiscal year began, began October 1st, there have been over 300,000 aliens that have come across the border. That's, you know, that's, that, that's incredible when you look at that number and say 300,000 people entered into those communities. And since the Biden administration started, there's been over, you know, 5 million people that have crossed that border. 5 million. That's incredible. That's, that's, that's the size of whole cities. How can we, uh, you know, here in the United States, the, the, uh, the citizens who are taxpayers, how can we look at this and recognize all this money that we're paying into taxes is going to support people that are not legally present here, that have no, there's no housing for them. They all believe that they're going to get a job and there aren't these jobs out there for these people. It just, it just leads to a, a huge problem like we're seeing now. What was the decision 
with the Biden administration to start leaning off enforcement? You know, if you look at a couple of things that have been signed since the Biden administration has come in there, you know, there was a signatory agreement that was signed in Los Angeles about, um, you know, migratory migratory pathways coming into the United States. So so it's, it's my belief that this administration really has an open border attitude. Um, you know, they they believe that. Uh, you know, the more migrants that come in is a good thing for the United States. They want to see this, 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 this change, you know, and, and 20, I believe it was 2016, you know, President Biden was sitting down with then Undersecretary Mayorkas, and uh, they had talked about how, you know, immigration to the United States was a good thing and that it would change the complexity of the United States. Now, when you look at that statement on its value, uh, yes, I believe immigration is a good thing for the United States, legal immigration. Like we are a melting pot nation, man. Like, like, like we should allow people to come to this country, but it needs to be vetted. There needs to be a certain amount allowed to come in at a time so that we can, we, it's not chaos. You know, when you have millions of people coming in, it's chaos on our system. Right now we allow about 1.5 million people a year to come in legally to the United States. We, we can up that aperture a little bit and, and, you know, allow a little bit more. But when we're allowing millions to come in, 5 million, you know, 1.7 million gotaways probably on top of that. So, you know, over 6 million, 7 million people coming in. It is crushing any systems that are in place in these cities. And you're seeing it in Chicago and New York City, here in Denver, you know, where, where I live in Colorado, you know, you're seeing it just, just, just crush these cities and what the, and what the, uh, the non-governmental organizations and, and, and the churches are, are, are being able to provide to these people. They can't provide to them. And if you know that they can't provide to them, you know they're not providing to us, the citizens, at the same time. Well, you don't even have to look that far. You can look on the streets and you see countless people that are homeless, that are struggling, and then we're just bringing an influx of people in who are also going to be struggling because that's, that's the situation we're in right now. I mean, you look at Eagle Pass, and there was another video that just came out on Monday of an influx, and you have thousands of people just sitting in these little, I don't know, quarantine zones, and they're just walking, walking straight through the border. It's almost like there's not even a wall there anymore. Yeah, the, the, look, there's, there's, there's really not a wall there anymore. I mean, they are, they are just coming in, and, and, and they, you know, they're not even being processed right. Like, like, you know, I'm not trying to call the Border Patrol out, because when, when I speak, I, I want people to realize that, that the Border Patrol is doing exactly what they're being told to do. They are undermanned, um, you know, the stress that they go through every day. When, when you come to work and you see thousands of people lined up and you know you've got to process those people, think, think of that. Think of walking into your office out there in the field and on a normal day, you may have 50 people that you process. But now you walk into Eagle Pass and there's 7,000 people standing there and you, can, you know you've got 40 agents that got to process 7,000 people. I mean, it's incredible what the Border Patrol is going through. So they've been told to quickly go through these numbers and, and get them out, get them out of these camps, you know, get them into the interior of the United States. So they're doing very minimal vetting. All they're doing is running a criminal history check on them that's within the United States. So they go through NCIC, which is run by the FBI. It's the National, Center, uh, National Criminal Index Center. So they, if a person has never committed a crime in the United States, they're going to come up as negative. It's not going to show if they committed crimes in any of the countries that they've come from. 
Now that will pop up in the system, but it takes weeks to months for that to show up. And it's usually through Interpol notices saying that, hey, there was an alert in the system, Interpol noticed it, and they're sending over a notice saying, hey, this person was a murderer in Senegal. We, you know, when did he come through? Well, he came through seven weeks ago and we let him go to New York City. So they're not getting vetted very well there. They're also not getting medically vetted to make sure that they're not coming in with diseases or viruses. And this is very important because they're putting them on planes and flying them into the interior of the United States. And God forbid that there's some disease or virus that comes into the United States and then we fly it into the interior. You've seen it on every horror movie that you've ever watched. This is just going to spread through the United States. So, you know, so we, we look at the national security of the border. Yes, we have a problem. We can have terrorists coming in. We definitely have criminals and gang members. We've got drug trafficking, fentanyl coming over, killing over 100,000 people a year. But that's that, 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 that invisible, the diseases and the viruses that are also being introduced is something that we really have to watch out for as well. Yeah, I didn't even think about that aspect of it. You think about crime coming in and there's almost a kind of hesitance to go down that direction because you want to recognize that these people are just searching for a better life, like 99% of people in the world. Right. They're just right. trying to find opportunity and build a better life for their kids. But you do, when the border is so porous that you can't check, and I don't think anyone would argue that we need a better pathway to legal immigration. Systems not ideal it's slow yeah but this doesn't seem like a viable alternative to that especially just no. letting them come in you're not checking them and then you're just pushing them into the interior which i don't understand so they come across the border they get that initial check to whatever degree it is and then they're just pushed out yeah like 80 percent. so so last year um they only expeditedly removed so deported immediately 11.9% of the people that came across the border last year. So 11.9% were, were, were expedited, removed. The issue with that, mo the ones that were removed probably had prior deportations. They found a criminal history in the United States because they, they'd been deported before, so they'd committed crimes in the U.S. or you know, easy to just turn them back around and, 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 and deport them. But it's really not easy to deport people. I mean, a lot of your listeners may be thinking, oh, just kick them out, send them back over to Mexico. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Like you have to work with other countries before you can physically send that, that person back. So you got to contact their consulate. You need to have an interview. You have to get travel documents. Uh, you have to set up a flight for that person because you can't just kick people from Africa over into Mexico. Like they're, they're going to be deported to Africa. So you need to set up these flights. You know, this, this all gets worked through the consulates and the governments. And then they, the flight gets set up and say weeks later, the person's deported to back to Africa. So it, it's just not that easy to just deport someone. But on top of that, most of these people are claiming asylum the minute they come over, even if they know that they are not, it's, that their asylum claims not valid. All right. There are certain ways that you can claim asylum. Like, like, like if you are a, a political dissident in, in your country, if, if you are a, you know, could possibly be killed because you're a homosexual in, in that country. Uh, you could possibly be killed because of the religion you practice in that country. There are certain things that you can, you can say, hey, you know, you know, I'm in danger in my country. I'm claiming asylum. You cannot claim it for economic reasons. And most of the people coming over here that are coming from poor nations, they're not in any immediate danger of dying in their country from their government. They just believe that they want a better life in America because 
look, America to me, I mean, it's the greatest country in the world, right? I mean, you know, I'm a United States Air Force veteran. I serve the government. I mean, I've had a great life. America is awesome. America also is not just a place you can walk into and get a hundred thousand dollar a year job and have a six hundred thousand uh, dollar you know home. It, it, th- those things don't happen. It, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort, and and it takes time. And a lot of these people believe that at America, they like the streets are paved with gold. That I'm just going to make money the minute that I walk in here, and and they're 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 not. You know, I, I feel that you know this this administration has done them a disservice. You know, they're. They're allowing this to fester and all these people to come in and then they're wind, winding up homeless on the streets of Chicago. They're winding up homeless on the streets of New York. And you don't want to be homeless on the streets of New York, man. You, that's, not, that's not where you want to be. You'd probably rather be in Africa than homeless in the streets of New York. Yeah, so watched, that's, you know, that's, that's where we're leading into these problems. I've watched a lot of videos of interviews with migrants who have just crossed the border and are waiting to be processed. Nobody's said anything about asylum. It's all yeah, economic. Yeah. It's all... Oh, I'm going to, you know, get a place, get some money and send some cash back yeah. home. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've been down at the border seven times since I retired. So I, I retired uh, August 2022, started a consulting firm, started working with a couple of media organizations, going down there, giving them tours of the border, kind of keeping them safe while, while, while they're down there. Um, you know, showing them around to different border crossing points so they can get good video. And, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, we'd encounter, you know, migrants that are coming across the border and, and we'd, we'd begin to talk to them. So in, in September, I went down to Lukeville, Arizona, and Lukeville's had a lot of issues. Uh, my, my consulting partner and, and I walked into Oregon Pipe National Monument. We're going down. We're about half mile from the port of entry, and we run into about 150 migrants from Africa. So, so not Mexico, not Central America, not South America, from, from Africa, from Mauritania, from the Sudan from Guinea. I mean, they were, you know, from all over these African nations. So, you know, my, my uh, partner's also retired from ICE. So both of us kind of get back into our old school mode and we start moving them against the fence line, telling them to wait for the border patrol. But we also start talking to them and be like, Hey, where, where are you from? You know, how'd you get across? You know, and, and they're, they're telling us the fence line was cut a mile up, up ahead and the cartel had cut through and forced them through at, 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 at that point. You know, so we're asking, you know, how many months has it taken you to get over here? You know, they've been traveling two or three months, um, you know, and, and then we start asking, you know, where, you know, where are you going to? Oh, we're going to New York. We're going to Chicago. Like, what are you going to do when, when, once you get there? Oh, we're going to work for Uber. We're going to get a job. You know, we're, we're going to make money. We're going to send money back home. You know, it, it, that's exactly what they think. They think there's this ready made package the minute that they get in. And it's just going to be all these opportunities are available to them and then everything's going to, going to be okay. But what winds up happening is a lot of these people are coming in. They haven't seen a medical doctor probably in their whole life. And, and you know, we, we, we've, we've encountered people with open sores or broken arms, you know, all these things. The first thing they're going to go do is they're going to go to one of our emergency rooms, right? And they're going to get medical care. And who's paying for that medical care? We are. Because they're not going to, they don't have insurance. They're not going to have the money to do that. The second thing that they're going to do is they're immediately going to go to these cities and they're going to be involved in these programs that are then taking those opportunities away from our own homeless, from our own veterans, for people who need you know, the medical care on the street that are our own citizens. And then they're, they're just going to flood that system. And you know, that's where we start getting in, into issues. Yeah. It gets problematic because people don't want to hear that. They think that it's this exclusionary principle of, well, we can handle everyone and we can help everyone up, but we can't even help the people that are already here get off the ground. 
Yeah. Yeah. We, we really can't like, 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 look, we took in 85,000 Afghans in uh, 2021. Okay. Those were, those were real refugees. I worked on, on that program. I went to DC, you know, we brought all those Afghans over. They went over to non-governmental organizations. We were able to find them housing immediately because that was a real refugee program. That's what a, a refugee program is supposed to be like. Like it's supposed to be coordinated. This effort is made out. You, you, you're able to find them uh, different areas in different states and you're able to move them out. The way that this is being handled at the border where these, the, the cities are just being flooded, there's no available housing for these people. There's, you know, the, the NGOs have run out of refugee housing. Like, like you know, they, there, there's, there's, you know, hotels that, that, that they uh, coordinate with. There's apartment complexes that they coordinate with. Those are all taken up because we've had refugees come in from Ukraine. We've had refugees come in from Afghanistan. We've had other countries, you know, where, where we've given them a, a, T, a TPS, temporary protective status, so that they can come to the, to the United States because of, you know, hurricanes in their country or earthquakes in their country. And we give them a limited time where they're able to stay. So the non-governmental organizations have taken care of all those people. And now on top of that, you're going to add another 5 million illegal aliens. It, it, the system is crushing. It, it just it, it can't do this. It can't do it. How are they getting here from these other countries? Yeah, I mean, from Africa, question. from yeah. Asia, how are they getting to the southern border? So it's all criminal or, or organizations. So I, I, I talked to one guy from, from Senegal, um, and he had told me that there's a, Sen a Senegal criminal organization working in Senegal that is working with the Mexican cartel. Like there's actually a couple of guys from Senegal that actually work with the cartel that controls that part of the border. And the, the Sen these guys from Senegal are paying the criminal organization in Senegal who then sells these people to the Mexican cartel. So the Mexican cartel pays a certain amount to the, to the Senegalese uh, criminal organization. They get these people. Then when they get these people, they charge them a fee to cross the border. So these people are getting charged all the way. The ones that can't afford to pay upfront cash, and that's most of the Africans, they're in debt. They're in debt to these criminal organizations. And that's another thing that a lot of people aren't realizing. So because these people aren't coming in legally, they're, they're indebting themselves to criminal organizations to get through the border. Some of these people are flying into South America because some African countries have a visa program with some of these South American countries. So they can fly legally into that South American country. And then once they get there, they're being transported up through Central America. They go through the Darien Gap. They come up through Mexico and they're paying criminal organizations along the way. On top of that, <laughs> there are crooked federal law enforcement and local law enforcement who are taking money from them along the way and robbing them. So, you know, th the whole journey is bad. We need to stop it because people are dying on this journey. Women are getting raped continuously. Young girls are, you know, are, are, are being found. And we, we've had investigations where young girls have been raped 10, 12 times along this, this journey, um, you know, where, where, you know, people are dying. They're falling off trains trying to get here, uh, you know, coming up from South America. It's a dangerous journey because it's being done illegally. And the one thing about people who, if, if they owe money to a criminal organization, they're going to have to pay that back sooner or later. And if they can't make the money, they're going to turn to crime to make sure that they can pay that debt back. Yeah, you don't want to be in debt to the cartel. No. No, not, no, not at all. 
the video so the cartels, you know, if, if you start to be in debt, they're going to make you run drugs. They're going to make you take a drug shipment. They're going to make you do something so that they get their money back. Also, the criminal organizations in Africa, they know who these families are of the people who left. You know, so they're putting pressure on the family. So these people that get here, if they can't make money legally, they're going to turn to something illegal to make sure that they can pay off their debt so their families are safe in their country. That was something that was shocking to me to realize that, you know, most of the people coming across the border now are not from Mexico and not from these South American countries. I think that's the, the idea that most people have and has been true for the longest time. It seems like is that's been the pipeline. And then for whatever reason, within the past few years, it started to shift. And more so recently, they're coming from countries that are, you know, thousands of miles away. Yeah. Like, like look, we, we've always had a, a, a migratory immigration process in the United States. You know, like I said, I've worked for 24 years for ICE. Every year, there's this, this migratory pattern from South and Central America where, pe where workers come up, enter illegally make a bunch of money, head back down to South and Central America, you know, because they, they, they make some good money. They go back down there. They're able to pay their bills for the rest of the half of that year. And they, they do this. We're doing this every year. So we had, you know, we, we've always had entries across the border, but you are entirely right. What we're seeing now is not just that migratory pattern that we've seen for years, but a pattern of worldwide migration. And we're not the only country that's dealing with this right now. You look over to Italy, you look over to Europe, there is, there's something going on where people are pushing for this migratory pattern to expand and happen. And, and you, you can look into conspiracy theories on this. You can say it's all the new world order, all this other stuff, but it's happening before our eyes. The evidence is there. There's a reason for this. And, and you know, that we, we've got to be careful. We got to keep our eyes open, you know, and, and, and for me, it's about securing America. Like, I want America to be secure. I want there to be legal immigration, but I want us to be secure so that I know that there's a future for my children and my children's children. You know, we, in, in order for America to survive, we need to make sure that, that we keep America safe. And we're not keeping America safe by allowing to happen what is happening right now. And this administration, Secretary Mayorkas, President Biden, they are complicit in allowing this to happen. We're almost in a perfect storm for this to be going on because that nationalistic idea of having a strong border, people don't want to hear that. The idea that there might be a criminal element coming across, people don't want to hear that. It's, it's taken this weird shift where if you propose any, any blocking of this current route, you're, you're almost anti-American that you have to, that illegal immigration is no longer a thing all immigration is legal they just have to get here and then that's it's now that's what it is yeah you can't unfortunately their right to move right unfortunately that that is a, a prevalent thought in, in a lot of people and, and i don't i don't buy into that look we are a nation of laws and, and and in order to to not be you know into chaos we have to remain a nation of laws. Like I, I tell a lot of people that I believe that this administration has created a chaos loop at our border, which means that they're allowing this chaos to happen because it's moving forward into the United States. And it, 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 it perpetuates it constantly. There's constantly chaos, constantly. We don't have a day without chaos right now because of what's happening at the border and what's happening in our inner cities. 
with this mass migration, coupled with our economic situation, our situation with homeless, our situation with, with, uh, with opioids and fentanyl and everything that's happened, the United States is constantly in this chaos loop. And unless we figure out a way to get out of that loop, it just continues to grow. It continues to grow and grow and grow. And we continue to get into more problems, more issues. And as you and I were talking about earlier, like, look, this year is going to be crazy with how it is with, with the political situation. So that adds on to this chaos loop. And again, we, we, we need to, to, to keep our eyes open, our ears open, and, and we, we, we need to just be, be, be ready for whatever is going to happen. But, but ultimately, we need to make sure that at the end of the day, we keep America safe. And again, what's unique is that it's not just an American problem right now. Like you said, no, Italy, Europe is going through it. There's some island, I think it's off the coast of Italy, where... Yeah, Lampalusa, so, Lampo. Yeah, so many people have yeah. migrated there that they now outnumber the local population by yeah, some by, crazy by like, like five times or yeah. something. Yeah, <laughs> which is insane. It's, yeah, that's, that is crazy, right? Like, like, like looking at that, how can you not, as a person, look at that and go, what is going on? Like, like, like for a whole population to be, to be, you know, outnumbered by five times by people who have migrated illegally just showing into up that country. Yeah. Just show, just showing up. And, and, and that's happening here in the United States, the amount of people. Okay. Even if you look at just the gotaways, okay. If you say 1.7 million people got away, border patrol never even looked at them. That's 1.7 million. What's the population of Wyoming? Population of Wyoming is like 500,000 people, right? So, so we're talking about, you know, over three times the population of the state of Wyoming has entered the United States and the Border Patrol doesn't even know who they are, never vetted them. So you were saying something earlier, you were like, you know, most people coming here just want to do good. And, and, and I look, I, I actually buy into that, man. I, I, I believe that. Like, even though they, they broke a law, they, they, they committed a crime by entering illegally, most of them just want the American dream. They want to make money. But if 5.7 million people walked in this country and 1% of them are criminals, just 1%, do we want that? That's like 50,000 people. Do we want that? Do we want that? No. You know, there's, 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 there's no way, man. I mean, if you think that many criminals, even with just one, even half a, half a percent of that, 25,000 people, do we want 25,000 cartel members wandering the United States? We don't want that. And, 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 you know, we have to be careful about what's coming in this country. They have to be vetted. We have to know who they are. Because if you're trying to avoid the Border Patrol right now, when you know you can just walk up to them and get a, an asylum claim, there's, some, there, there's an issue there. Why were you avoiding the Border Patrol? There's an issue. There's, there's a reason. And if you think 1.7 million people did that, that made it into this country, that could potentially be harmful to this country. That is a lot, a lot of people. And all you have to do is just claim it. You just have to say, oh, I'm seeking asylum. Yeah. Yeah. You just, just have to, and, and it's a couple of words, you know, Border Patrol is going to ask you, why are you claiming asylum? And what they're all told to say is that I'm in fear for my life in my country. <laughs> That's all they have to say. Because the Border Patrol doesn't do the initial amnesty interview. So once you say that, then you would have to see a credible fear officer. And a credible fear officer is the start of your asylum process. But in the past, what we used to do, if someone claimed asylum, we would put them in custody, okay? And they would stay in custody until they saw the credible fear officer. And that credible fear officer would decide whether that was a good asylum claim or not. 
If it was a bad asylum claim, they'd move them to the deportation process. If it was a good asylum claim, they'd move them to see an immigration judge and an immigration judge would make the final determination on whether they could get asylum or not. We only have for immigration 39,000 beds in the whole United States to keep illegal immigrants in. 39,000. That is the limit that's paid for by Congress right now. You can't keep anybody. I mean, 39,000 beds takes up just the criminals. We have that many criminal illegal aliens in the United States. Right now, on the non-detained docket, that is the docket where uh, immigration has where these aliens are not in U.S. custody. By the government's own records, there are over 400,000 aliens on the non-detained docket that have criminal convictions in the United States. 400,000 that they know about. These these numbers are insane, and, and, and people need to look at them, and they need to realize we are not safe. What this administration is doing is, is harming the United States. Do you think people just aren't aware of how drastic the problem actually is? Or it's just easier Absolutely. not to look at it because it's not a million people showing up at once. It's thousands, and so you can kind of turn a blind eye to it. Yeah, uh, no, they don't see it. Uh, you know, un unfortunately, you know, and 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 I see it in, in in my own life. So so I'm I love reading. So and I I will read everything. I don't care if it's left, right. I I just want information. I love information, and I I, I watch CNN as much as I watch Fox. I watch both because I want to see counterpoints of view, and I want to see what one side is talking about over the other side. Most people, I would say, ninety percent of people don't do that. And the thing about social media is it starts to learn what you like, and it's only showing you what you like. So the more you take part in, say, a, a left interest or a right interest on social media, that is the only information that you are getting at any point in the day. So if you're only looking at left interests on social media, that's all you're being fed, and you're not being told exactly what's going on at the border, and you're being fed this open border interest. If you only look at the right, all you're being told is that everyone coming in is bad and, you know, it's, it, it's going to go to crap. Y you need to really look at both points of view. Now, now my point of view is what is going on is bad and America is not safe because of it. Um, but I do look at, at, at both sides because you, you can't allow yourself to get caught up in, in, in that, 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 you know, almost brainwashed mentality where you're only receiving information that you agree with. You have to listen to the information that you don't agree with to really make a, an educated decision on what's going on. One of my fears with all of this is that you have some bad actor get through and then there's a terrorist attack and then the mm -hmm. government uses that to hammer down on the people, almost like a Patriot Act 2.0. Yeah, yeah. You're, 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 you're hitting a nail on, on, on the head, Nick. I, 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 exactly. I mean, that's something that, that I fear as well. You know, I'm, I'm not a fan of the Patriot Act. Um, you know, I don't like big government. I, I don't like government controlling us at all. Um, that could definitely happen. Look, and, and it's, it's not just terror. We have a lot of Chinese entering illegally into this country. Uh, you know, China does not have our best interests in mind. Now, not every one of those Chinese people coming across the border is bad. I don't want people to think that. You know, don't get the wrong impression. But some of them have been um, trained by the CCP. 
Some of them probably are uh, uh, spies that are looking to get into our businesses or looking to get into our companies, steal technology and do other things for the Chinese government. And even if it's a small percentage of those, we, we have to watch out for it. So you have that. You do have some terrorists that have crossed that border. Venezuela has been a training ground for, for Hezbollah since the early 2000s. There are definitely some of the Venezuelans that have come over claiming asylum, which most Venezuelans actually do have a good asylum claim because of what's going on in that country. Some of those people coming over from Venezuela have been trained by Hezbollah and have entered this country already. Why? When you frame it like that, how can people, I mean, how can Biden or the administration not at least look at the problem? and say, okay, this is something that we need to address. It seems like it's just a hands-off policy. Is it just yeah. capture by his party that it's become such a hot-button issue now that he almost can't do anything about it because then the election's a guaranteed loss? He's going to yeah, have his constituency it, 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 turn on him. It is. His constituency is turning on him now. Look, I testified in front of Congress in July, and one of the things I testified about was that uh, the DNA testing was ended at the border by this administration. So 85,000 kids are now missing because of HHS, took these kids into the United States, put them with non-governmental organizations or, or you know, sponsor families. These kids ran from the sponsor families. We have no idea where 85,000 kids from around the world are inside the United States. The DNA program was ended by this administration. How can any sane person think that it's a bad idea to give a DNA test to a juvenile that comes in with an adult to make sure that that child is not being trafficked. How can anyone think that that's a bad idea? The DNA tests that we use in DHS are quick, rapid DNA tests. We get a result within like an hour. I mean, these, these aren't the long, you know, these tests that, that take weeks. That's, that's not, it's a, it's a cheek swab. There's a machine. It takes about an hour to get a, to get a result, about 90 minutes on, on average, actually. <laughs> What, what's wrong with that? Why would an administration end that? There's no, I, I cannot fathom any logical reason why you would end something like that. And now those are the kind of things that this administration is doing. They harped on Trump for losing, you know, 1,400 kids, which he didn't really lose. They became separated from their parents. But here's the issue on that. The, we we couldn't make a familial connection between those 1,400 kids and, and, and the people, the, the adults that they came in. So we kept those kids in custody. No parent has ever come forward for those kids either. I mean, people think that we just took these kids and put them in custody and aren't allowing them to go to adults. No, we're working with the countries that those children belong to. Those countries cannot even identify who these kids' parents are. So, so there's... I mean, as you can see, there's child trafficking happening throughout the world. It's my belief that those kids were, 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 were trafficked. We don't know who their parents are. We can't make a connection. Should we just let them go? I, I mean, you know, we're trying to also protect children. This administration has misplaced 85,000 kids. There, there, there's issues here. And, and, and like you said, you know, this, the left has gone so far on, on immigration. I, I don't think, uh, you know, the Biden administration can, can really keep up on it. And that they're just going to keep getting further to the left. They want open borders. Mayorkas has said he, he is looking toward amnesty. He says the immigration, prop, uh, immigration is so broken, the only thing we can do is grant amnesty and then start all over again. That's bull. That is, that is, that is crap. We, we, we cannot fall for this amnesty issue and just 
you know, raising our hand and just saying, hey, every, everyone's legal now. Can't do it. Cannot do it. It, it doesn't happen that way. And, and it's, a, it's a disservice to the people that came in here legally and have been trying for years and have been paying thousands of dollars to become United States citizens. It's a disservice to them. I knew about those 1,400 kids, but because of the narrative that was spun on that, I thought they were just lost. I didn't know about that follow-up, that there was no familial connection to the people they were with. That's insane. We we work, yeah, we work with, I mean, we work with every government. Like, when we take custody of someone that's that's foreign-born, we have to contact the country of origin of that person. So all these foreign consulates are aware that those kids are in custody. Those foreign consulates have the ability to go into their countries and help search for the parents of these children. That that, that these parents, that these people were not found, that rings alarms for me. It it means that we actually probably did the right thing keeping those amount of kids in in, in custody because who knows where those kids would have wound up. Like, Like, look, if you separated a kid from a parent and the parent was allowed to go into the U.S., if you were a parent, wouldn't you be knocking on the door of that facility every day to get your kid back? Like, wouldn't you go to the government that you left? Because there, there's consulates all throughout the United States for every country that's in the world. So you don't have to go back to Mexico. You show up in L.A. to the Mexican consulate. You knock on the door to the Mexican consulate and say, I'm a Mexican citizen. I lost my kid. The United States government has him. Can you help me get him back? The Mexican consulate would have that kid within 24 hours. That that did not happen. People need to wake up and look at that and say, all right, there's, there's issues here. Children are being trafficked. And, and, you know, we tried to do the right thing. You know, AOC is over by the fence crying about it. And her own, her own party misplaces 85,000 kids. It, I, I, it's shocking. Human trafficking is a real thing. Jeffrey Epstein was a real person. And that's a local case. And people know about that. Imagine all of the people that are out there that we don't know about. And these are kids we're talking about. Obviously, human trafficking is bad across the board, but these are kids that are potentially being trafficked. You would think that that would be a, there wouldn't be any partisanship in that. That we could say, hey, we got to, we want to protect kids, right? Right. We can at least do DNA testing. When they took that out, I saw your, when you testified before Congress and it was, it was shocking. I didn't know that that was removed. Yeah. And, and it, 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 it was a wake up, you know, and, you know, I uh, posted that that clip of, of me, uh, you know, talking to Congressman Hunt about that because he was the congressman that, that questioned me about it. And you know, what was really interesting. So I testified in front of Congress. I hold myself out to be a subject matter expert. Uh, apparently, Congress did, too, because they invited me to testify. So I, I testified and there were Republicans on one side and Democrats on the other. Only Republicans asked me questions. The Democrats refused to engage with me and ask me any questions. They, 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 they didn't discount anything that I said. They didn't go after me, but they refused to speak to me. That speaks highly of what's going on, in my opinion. Like when I'm talking about missing children and only a Republican congressman is challenging me on it and asking me questions about it, and the Democrats refuse to even acknowledge that I'm in the room, there's an issue with that. And meanwhile, you have Democrats across the board championing missing and murdered indigenous children, which not to conflate the two, but they're clearly on board that there are problems. And yet there's a disconnect when those problems are coming across the Southern border. 
Yeah. They don't want yeah, to I want no missing children. Yeah, I'm sure you too. You know, we want no missing children. Like like let's like like you said, come together, man. This is the one issue that everyone should not have any I don't care if you're blue. Yeah, that's not red. even an immigration I, I thing. It's no. just we don't it's want children. people being trafficked, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Nick. Were you I mean, that must have been disheartening when you're there for that purpose to give testimony and only one side is engaging in the conversation. It was hugely disappointing. Like, 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 number one, look, I've served this country for 31 years. I have 31 years of federal service. I was a United States Air Force veteran. I became a, a federal agent after that. I was with another agency before I got on with INS and then switched to ICE after that. So, you know, I, I gave 31 years of, of my life to this country, you know, working for the government and being in the halls of Congress. You know, I, I, I was honored to be asked to come and testify. Like, like you know, for me, at, at the pinnacle of my career, for, for people to acknowledge the information that I have and ask me to, you know, to, to come talk about it. Like I was like, oh, this is, this is awesome. And I was ready to engage with any Democrat that wanted to engage. I had, you know, I've got all these statistics in my head. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. And, and for them not to even acknowledge me being in the room, it, it just, you know, it, it, it deflated me a bit. You know, I was like, man, this is, you know, come on, at least, at least acknowledge me for, you know, what I've done for this country, you know? And, uh, you know, to not do that and, and to not engage, you know, and, and the things I was saying, I mean, I was telling them, you know, there are 400,000 criminals on the non-detained docket. We've, we've, we've you know, we've, we have known suspected terrorists that have entered, entered the country. They didn't challenge me on that information. So it's not like they thought I was lying because if they thought I was lying, they would have attacked me. Believe me, they, they, they would have had me all over the place. They knew the information that I was saying was right. They just didn't want, you know, they, they didn't want to engage with me at all. What do you make of what Governor Abbott is doing with this, the shipping of migrants to these sanctuary cities. Yeah, it's, it's, look, it's, if, if, if you look at it on value, you, you know, you're going to say, you know, this is, this is part of the issue, right? He's moving people throughout the United States. But when you look at it even more broadly than that, Texas has been overrun with, with illegal immigration. So what is he to do? You know, and, and most of these people are trying to get to those areas. I mean, they're 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 saying, I don't want to stay in Texas. Get me out of Texas. I want to go to New York. You can. I want to go to New York. And he's facilitating that. And, and there's 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 issues with that. Like, you know, there's there's some lawful issues. And but but at the end of the day, I mean, I mean, the guy's got to do what he's got to do. And, and he can't just allow these people to they're not going to walk to New York. I mean, they're, they're not going to get on his highways and start hitchhiking to New York. I mean, so so when you when you take safety into it. I mean, he's hiring really nice coach buses. They're not driving on a school bus, you know, with, you know, barely padded seats. The ones that you remember, you know, from, from when you went to school. No, they're, they're on. He's hiring coach buses and they get movies and they get food. And, you know, it's a safe journey to where to where where they're going. Um, but we should not be acting like this. I mean, we should not have this happening where a governor of a state has to make a decision Hey, am I going to aid in, you know, human smuggling and trafficking by helping these people get to this city? But really, he's got no other option. What other option does he have? And I've said this, I, I tell people, debate me on this issue. Tell me what his option is. And people can't come up with a, a logical, uh, you know, they don't know what to say because he obviously can't let just 5 million people just roam around Texas trying to figure out how to walk to New York or Chicago because, you know, it ain't happening. Whether you're for the policy or against it, the one thing you can't argue is that it has been effective at waking up 
these blue cities yeah. to the, to the has, extent of what the problem has. actually is. I mean, you have the mayor of New York, Adams, saying this is unsustainable, we're being crushed. You have the mayor of Chicago calling it a problem. It's easy to be a sanctuary city when you're not up against the border and you're not actually yeah. having to deal with the issues phase on. Yeah, you know, I am against sanctuary cities entirely. I, you know, I think that they got up there under Trump and beat their chest and said that they were sanctuary cities because they weren't getting the numbers that they're getting. Virtue now. signaling. Yeah, they virtue signaled big time, Nick. And, and, and now that they're stuck, they are a border state. Every state in the United States is a border state right now. And uh, now that they are a border state by virtue of everything, you know, being bust into them or flown to them, all of a sudden they're, they're in, in, in panic mode. But it's not just the politicians. Look at the people protesting. So in, in, in Chicago, you know, you've got black Americans who are up in arms and saying, man, we have, we have tried to rise to the top here in Chicago. We've done everything that you, the politician, has asked us to do to make our communities better. And then we watch these illegal aliens come in and get all these benefits and get a leg up on us and, you know, and, and be moved into our communities. And, you know, in, in New York, you're seeing the same thing with, you know, people in, in, in Manhattan going, we pay into this. We don't want this. And we're paying our taxes for this. You're cutting back on law enforcement to pay for these people to stay in these hotels. And we're being robbed blind. The crime is up. And our taxes, we don't want our taxes going for this. So you're seeing people start to rise up. It's not just the politicians crying to their own, their own administration. You're seeing groups of people rise up and say, this is not how America is supposed to work. This is not supposed to be happening. And yet still it's not enough. Even in the case of Texas no. where you have them putting up cantina wire, it seems like the administration is trying to cut their legs out from under them. By cutting the wire, by telling them to take yeah. down those buoys that they have out there, it doesn't seem. Yeah, it seems it, like every step they take, they're they're taking yeah. five backwards. No, I, absolutely. And, and you see, even the in the, the government of Mexico has said that they are going to sue Texas if Texas starts making people go back. Come on, Mexico, you are helping the cartels. Every politician in Mexico, well, maybe not every, very close to every, has probably got their hands in the pocket of the cartel. Okay, I mean, they know what's going on. I I watched as the cartel cut the fence line in Lukeville, Arizona, moved 200 people through that fence line, disappeared, and then the federal Mexican uh, uh, law enforcement showed up, sat there for five minutes, and then moved on. They weren't there when the cartel was there. They showed up after the cartel was there to say that, hey, we came by, and then they and then they disappeared. You know, believe me. <laughs> This is not happening in Mexico without the Mexico government knowing. They have millions of people moving up through Mexico. I found multiple identification documents on the ground on our side of the border that people had thrown down. They are entry documents that the Mexican government had given them, 45-day entry documents, which allowed that person to be in Mexico for 45 days. So Mexico is actually giving these illegal aliens a document to, to make them legal in Mexico for 45 days as the cartel moves them up toward the border. It's ridiculous. I watched a video of a coyote shuffling people through the border, right, through a uh, hole that they cut in the fence. And then he kind of just shrugs at the camera and salutes and then goes back. Yeah, that was that was, was Ali Bradley. So, yeah, Ali Bradley, I've, I've become friendly with her. She's a, she's a great reporter. 
she's been down at the border when when I've been down there and 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 she's nuts. I mean, she jumps into the bushes and she hides out <laughs> and takes pictures as the you know, watches the cartel cut through the fence. So that cartel guy saw her when she was she was trying to hide there in a culvert. And uh yeah, he shrugs at her. He shr- you know, gives her a salute. And, and he, you know, I mean, she's seen so much stuff if you know, if, if your listeners are out there and, you, and you're on X, follow Ali Bradley. She's got some she's, great videos of what's yeah, going on down there. She, she puts out some amazing content. She is not afraid to get in, in there and, and, and mix it up and get great photos, great videos. Yeah, for sure. If you were conspiratorially minded, the takes that are out there are that this is not immigration, this is some sort of invasion. Because you're at, most of these people coming across are young men. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's hard not to be conspiracy minded when you look at that. And when so many have come true over the past few years. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 it, and it's not, you know, I, I don't look at it like, okay, these people were trained to come to the United States and they're going to be this, this foreign military that's going to take us over like Red Dawn. But it's a, it's a vast changing of our culture super quick by people who are now being put into a position where they have nothing. Okay. So, so you have these young men who have come across and, and I was down in, in, in El Paso. I went to the border in El Paso when I talked to some, some young men that had, that had come in, they had no money left. They had been kicked out of the uh, churches to sleep. So they were sleeping on the street. As I'm talking to them, my law enforcement brain starts getting turned on. I'm like, these guys are a day or two away from turning to crime. Because they had nothing. They had not eaten in a day and a half. They had nowhere to sleep. They had nowhere to go. So when the cartel walks up, because the cartel is in the United States, when the cartel encounters these guys in the street and they see that these guys are homeless and have no money on them, what do you think the cartel is going to start asking them to do? Hey, deal some dope for us. Go out there and sell some fentanyl, sell some heroin. We'll make sure you get some money in your pocket. We got a house that you guys can stay in. The five of you guys, come here. We, we, we got an apartment that you can stay in. Come stay in this apartment, deal dope for us, make some money. You can get to the next state that you're going to. And it happens all the time. It happens throughout my career. I've arrested young men like that, that, that they wound up here. They had nothing and they turned to crime because they had no other option. And when we have millions of, of young men coming in here and they have nowhere to go, no jobs, no house, they're going to get frustrated. And you've seen it on videos on X and everywhere else of they're already fighting. The South Americans are fighting with the Africans for resources, you know, because they're all in, in, in the same NGO location being housed by a church, not enough resources. People start fighting. We are a powder keg right now. And the more people we continue to allow in, the less resources we're going to have. And it's going to turn into this situation where these young men are going to rise up and we're going to see some bad stuff happening. And I don't want that to happen. We need to wake up now. We need to secure America right now. And if you look towards Europe, it's almost an interesting case study. It feels like they're a little further down this road than we are. They are. And you can see these videos of this divide between the people that are coming there and are frustrated that they're not getting everything that they were, you know, quote unquote, promised. And it's creating a real sense of turmoil in these countries. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can look over Europe and see what's happening, the riots that have already happened, the issues that are happening, the areas that, you know, some some of the illegal migrants have turned those areas into their own, don't even allow local police into those areas, the rapes of young women, 
I mean, you know, it, it, it's just when, when, when you allow crime to continue to be rampant, it's going to continue to grow. We have South American theft groups that are coming to this country and robbing stores blind. I did an investigation right before I left on, on those groups. I mean, <clears throat> they're coming up from Argentina. They're coming up all from South America. They set up in these cells and, and they, they rob, they'll rob Kohl's. They'll rob JCPenney. They, I mean, they're just robbing these stores blind and selling those things, you know, in other countries. They get, you know, they, they, they load up trucks. They get it to stuff back down to Mexico or they'll, they'll sell it here and send the money back over. I mean, that's another huge issue. The remittances of money that gets sent back to all these other countries by the people that are here illegally. It's in the billions of dollars that are not, is not then spent in the United States because it's being sent overseas. <coughs> Do you think that that new Texas Senate bill, I think it's Senate Bill 4, that allows officers to arrest people that cross into the state illegally, do you think that that will have any impact or it's almost like putting tape on a dam that's breaking? It's it's like putting tape on a dam that's breaking. So only the federal government has the authority to remove someone from the United States. The the Texas uh, local government does not, the state government does not have that. So they can pass laws. Uh, you know, for, for trespassing into the state of Texas without being legally present in the United States. They, you know, I'm, I'm sure the left will take them to court for that. I, I think actually they are right now. They can do that. They can put the person in custody in Texas, but then removing them after that, they, 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 they don't have the resources in place to be able to do that, to work with other governments, to, to enforce the, de- the uh, deportation and removal of someone from the United States. I mean, Texas, is, I, I mean, I don't blame them for trying this. They've got to do something, but at the end of the day, it, like, like, like you said, it's just throwing a piece of tape on a dam, and it, it's, it's not going to work. It, yeah, Texas seems like it's the hot spot for all of this right yeah. now. I know Arizona, things are ramping up too, but Texas, is it just its geographic position that that's the best place to cross? Yeah, geographic position and the strength of the cartels in, in those areas and like kind of where the cartel wants to move people through. So. You know, over over the years, that the, the cartel shifts um, from where they send people across, and uh, you know, it's it, it, it has to do with you know the the strength of the border patrol in certain areas, geographically how the area is set up, um, where they're moving their dope through. So you know, if they're moving dope through another part of the area, they want the illegal immigration going through uh, you know a further away part where it's going to uh, take all the Border Patrol resources to look at that. So what the cartel will do is they'll, they'll send women and children and they'll just throw them into the desert or they'll throw them across the river. And the Border Patrol is going to respond to women and children that are drowning or lost in the desert. And they're going to take a lot of forces there to get there and they're, they're, they're going to be all tied up on that. And then two miles down the line, the cartel is cutting through the gate. Guys with backpacks are running through with 20,000 pills apiece in these backpacks running across the border, being got aways getting all this dope into the United States. You know, the, the left loves to say that all the fentanyl comes through the ports of entry. No, that's what we catch. We catch the most amount of fentanyl through the ports of entry. We have no idea how much fentanyl gets in with the gotaways and the underground networks and everything else on, on how fentanyl's coming into the U.S. And there are people that see those images of the kids or women being thrown into the water and then use that as the case for this is why we need to have an open border is because people are getting hurt in the process of trying to cross. No, this is why we need to combat the cartels and make Mexico actually, you know, do something about it. You know, you know, Mexico is definitely complicit in what's happening. Like I I don't go to Mexico for vacation. I, you know, I tell all my friends not to, 
we shouldn't be supporting Mexico, you know, because Mexico does not have our best interests in mind. They're allowing the cartels to, to, to do what they're doing. And, you know, for me personally, I, I just don't feel like spending my my money in, in Mexico. Um, you know, it's it's an issue. The cartels are running that border. They're making billions of dollars a year on human misery, human smuggling, human trafficking, sex trafficking. You know, 100,000 people a year are dying of opioid overdoses here in the United States. Over 70,000 of them are, are from fentanyl. The, the Mexican cartels are getting that fentanyl from China, creating the fentanyl pills in labs in Mexico. They get the precursors from, from China, and so they're able to, to create their, their fentanyl however they want it, and then sending that over, over the border. They do send it in large loads through the ports of entry, but they're also sending it on backpacks stuffed in, in tires, like, you know, spare tires and cars that are coming across or they're bringing it across the border at the reservations. I mean, there, there's all sorts of way that, that they're smuggling fentanyl and that's not coming in through the port. Why was this not as big of an issue under Trump? Was it just because of Title 42 and the deportation aspect where you had to wait in Mexico before coming across? A, a little bit. Tr- Trump also would put everybody in custody. So under Trump, Trump had 52,000 beds uh, at the height of the Trump administration that he got uh, paid for. And he was willing to put everyone in custody for as long as he needed to, to make sure that uh, they, you know, had their credible fear interview and were removed if, if, if it wasn't good credible fear. Or he was making them remain in Mexico until their, their, their hearing. Uh, so so there, were con- there was consequence under Trump. There's no consequence under the Biden administration. They know that most of them, over 80% of them, are not going to go into a detention setting. They go into a processing center, which is, you know, they're in detention for three or four days while the Border Patrol is processing, but then they're out on the street. So they're not going into long-term detention, so there's no consequence there. They're not being made to remain in Mexico, so no, there's no consequence there. The notices to appear, for them to appear in front of an immigration judge for their first hearing right now, a couple of months ago, I did some research on it. It was three to five years it was taking to see an immigration judge. Today, I heard that um, someone received the notice for 2031 to see an immigration judge. And it was for New York City. And I 100% believe it because so many people are going to New York City, that court docket is going to be continue to rise. So, you know, we're, we're talking about nine years until you see an immigration judge. That is ridiculous. That's crazy. We, we can't allow this to continue. That's crazy. So obviously the agents at the border are swamped. Is it, is there, are there any resources being thrown to monitor them while they're here, even before they go to see those hearings, however far out they are? Yeah. So, so there's enforcement removal operations. That's ICE in the interior of the United States. They're the ICE agents in the interior. They're not HSI. HSI deals with a lot of uh, other transnational stuff and, and custom stuff, but there's a, there's a unit called ERO, enforcement removal operations. They don't have a ton of officers, maybe 6,000 officers nationwide. Um, and they are, uh, th- their job is to enforce the immigration law in the interior of the United States and remove criminal aliens from the U.S. as expeditiously as possible. But right now, because of all of these cases coming in, the Border Patrol is having these cases come in and they're telling them to report to the, the nearest ICE office to continue your processing because the Border Patrol is doing very limited processing. So these ERO officers are not on the street working on task forces with the DEA and the ATF and making sure that these, these illegal aliens that are out there dealing dope. They're trying to get them off the street. They're in the office just writing up and processing people. And, and I mean, from the border to the interior of the United States, 
our law enforcement agencies are not being used for what they should be used for. They're being used for the wrong things. And, and again, they're not keeping the American people safe. Are you disheartened by this where you've dedicated so much of your professional life to working on this issue only to have it seemingly implode? Yeah. So, so I, I was the director of Colorado and, and Wyoming, and I could have stayed till 57. The job was awesome. I love the agents that worked for me. Um, I love the, the, the job, but I could not work for this administration anymore. I was telling my agents that they had to go down to the border on detail and they were coming back to me and they were like, hey, boss, this, this is horrible. We're going down there and all we're doing is waving people in, coming back here to the Denver office and then processing them here at the Denver office. There, and, and, you know, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror anymore and be a leader and tell people to do something that I didn't believe in. So, you know, fortunately for me, I had, you know, over 30 years in, I had, I was 50 years old. I had the opportunity to retire and, and I took that opportunity. And then I got pissed off at myself because I retired and I felt like I, I, I gave up. Right. So I was like, man, I need to get back into this. So I wound up getting on a board for the uh, National Immigration Center for Enforcement. It, it, it's a board that, that is trying to get enforcement uh, taken care of in the United States and having the immigration law actually enforced. So I became involved with that board. I got involved with another consulting group, the Complete Solution Group. And we've been going down to the border, taking a lot of video. And so, so I started getting more involved. And then I started getting involved in politics of it too. So you know, I'm, I'm actually going to be running for Congress here in the state of Colorado uh, in the 6th District. Um, you know, so, you know, for, for me, I, 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 I retired, I got in, you know, at home and I was like, man, I, this fight's not over and I need to, I need to continue to be in the fight. Um, so th I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I, I got back to, I retired and got back to work. I think I'm working harder now than I actually was when, you know, I, I have so many different hats that I'm wearing right now. Um, you know, but it's something that has to be done. And, and I appreciate you for having me on and, you know, trying to, trying to explain this. I think it's very important. Um, and I'm, I'm just trying to get the word out. You know, people, people can think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a right wing lunatic. You know, they, they, they can say what, whatever they, they, they want to say, but I'm just going to give you the information. And all I can tell you, if you're listening to this, research it, research it yourself, go, go look at Ali Bradley's, you know, photos on X or videos on, on X. Look what Bill Malusian's putting up. Look what Anthony Aguero's putting up. Look what, uh, you know, uh, uh, Hernandez Arcedo. There's a whole bunch of people out on X that are putting up all these videos. You know, it's for you to see. Go and see that information. Go research the, the, the information and decide for yourself because I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're only listening to one side. I think that's why you're a great vessel for this information is because it doesn't seem like you're, you're trying to be partisan. You... It seems like I've listened to some of your other talks on other podcasts and stuff and your interviews, and it seems like through most of your career in government, you tried to be nonpartisan and just yeah. deal with the facts. I never attended one political meeting when I worked for the government. I refused to because I believed as a leader that I needed to be nonpartisan, that, that you know, for, when I work for the government, I'm working for different presidents. Like, I'm going to take the orders of that president, right? So I needed to be nonpartisan. I, I didn't hold myself out to be a conservative or a liberal or a libertarian, nothing. Like, like, like I, I, I work for the government. And now when I got out of the government, you know, I have conservative values. So I, I lean more that way. But, but, but again, even, you know, being a conservative, you can still open the aperture and look at what's going on. I want immigration. I, I don't want to end immigration. I'm not a nationalist. I, I'm, I'm not. 
I loved going to naturalization ceremonies when I was a director and seeing people from other countries put up their right hand and swear their allegiance to the United States, watching tears flow down their face because they made it after being in the U.S. for 10 years and they earned their citizenship. And even now, I mean, it, it brings goosebumps up on me, you know, and, and uh, you know, that that's worth seeing. That's what America is about. And that's the America that I want to get back to. Yeah, that's the nuance that we've lost, that you can be pro-legal immigration and anti-illegal immigration. Yeah. It's you're either pro-immigration in all forms or you're some nationalist that yeah. is like needs to be locked up. Yeah. Why is yeah. this not and a I, problem at the northern border? Why does that need to be so? It, it is. No, it, it, it absolutely is. So my, my business partner, John Martinez, he, he actually worked the northern border for part of his career when he was bo with Border Patrol. And, uh, you know, back then he used to tell me stories, you know, we, we'd get, you know, 100 people a year coming through the northern border. And there's thousands now coming through the northern border. So a lot of these e illegal immigrants have figured out that you can actually, if you have money, you can fly into Canada as a landed immigrant, land in Canada, and then come in through the northern border much easier, much safer than what the cartels are controlling down in the southern border. So what, what, what we're really seeing is, you know, there's, there's probably a lot more Chinese coming in through the northern border. Uh, you know, people that have a little bit of money that are able to, you know, get those uh, visas into Canada and then, then can cross the, the northern border. There's still a lot of dope coming through the, the northern border, a lot of methamphetamine. Um, you know, yeah, the northern border is still is still a problem. It always has been for, for me the the northern border has always been that that, you know, that that look that, hey, this is where something's going to enter if something's going to go wrong, you know, just because it's just it's, it's wide open. You know, it, it, it's something that, that we don't realize. Like, there's 3,987 miles of our northern border. There's only 1,933 miles of the southern border. So the, almost double of what the, at, at the northern border, and we don't pay as much attention to it. And, and yeah, it, 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 it's, it's potentially a, a national uh, problem for sure. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it gets any attention on a national level. I can't tell you the last time I heard them mention the northern border in terms of illegal immigration. Yeah, and and there 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 definitely is like just in in, in Maine recently, um, there's been some illegal grows of marijuana by by Chinese criminal organizations that have been growing marijuana black market uh, marijuana in Maine and then moving it into Canada, you know, because uh, you know they can make a lot of money and still in marijuana in Canada, you know, a lot uh, a lot of the states here are starting to legalize marijuana and there's there's still a black market for marijuana here in the United States because people want cheap marijuana they don't want to pay the price at, at the stores. But, you know, there, there, there's, there's still a market all over the world for illegal marijuana. And then, yeah, these, these Chinese organizations were coming across the Canadian border, setting up shop in Maine and growing, you know, huge, uh, you know, because it's Maine, it, there's so, it's so desolate in some parts. They can, you know, build these huge greenhouses and grow illegal marijuana and then move it across the border into Canada. And the drug aspect is interesting because one of the arguments for legalizing drugs is that it would take away that funding from cartel elements. Yeah. But meanwhile, cartel elements are smuggling humans across the border and making yeah, they're making a ton of money. A ton of money. Yeah, and and it, it only changed what the cartel was moving. So marijuana, you know, in the '80s, the cartel was moving truckloads of marijuana. They were using container ships. I mean, to move marijuana, and then marijuana became legalized through a lot of you know the the United States, and and they weren't making as much money because it takes a whole truckload for them to make a profit on marijuana. With fentanyl. You can fill up a backpack halfway and make a huge profit 
on the amount of fentanyl that was in that 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 backpack. Like I I can fill up a soda can and tape the soda can, you know, somewhere on my body and move that much fentanyl, pure fentanyl into the United States and then cut it into pills and make a huge profit. So the, the, the cartel recognized this. They, they recognized that they could use drones, fly a drone over into the United States filled with, you know, uh, you know a kilo of, of fentanyl and make a huge profit off of a kilo of fentanyl where they had to move 10,000 pounds of marijuana to make the same, the same profit. So the cartel realizes this, and then they realize that they can make a, a billion dollars, billions of dollars off of human smuggling. And that's, that's what they're doing now. Well, and with human trafficking, it's, it's not great to think about it this way, but that is a resource that doesn't diminish because right. you can bring fentanyl in, but it's a one-time use thing. Whereas if you bring a person in and you're selling them, mm-hmm. the resource doesn't go anywhere. You just keep selling them out. Yeah. And, and they're, they're making more of the money up front with the human smuggling. So a lot of here. people are, yeah, a lot of people are trying to pay the cartel right away because they don't want to owe them, right? So they're giving them that money right away. With drugs, the cartel's got to send the drugs into the United States. The drugs have to get sold or sold to another person who's going to sell it. So it takes a little while for them to get that profit back, to make that money back. Um, with human smuggling, they're trying to get as much money as they can up front from these people. So they're making billions of dollars before those people even cross over into the United States. And then if they owe the cartel money, they're st- the cartel's still making money while the person's in the United States. So, you know, it's, the cartel sees this, the Mexican government knows it, the Mexican government's mo- making money off of it. It's, it's just ridiculous. Is there any desire to, I don't know, lean on the Mexican government to stop this before it hits the southern border? Yeah, I mean, you know, President Trump had, had, had tried to do that. Um, and then there was a little bit of success at trying to stop people, you know, in, in southern Mexico before they came all the way through Mexico. But, uh, you know, as soon as President Biden took office and uh, Vice President Harris became the border czar, you know, she was supposed to be going down to these countries, you know, to, to, to talk about, oh, the, the start of, you know, where is immigration? Why, why is this happening? The, you know, economic reasons in those other countries. I think she's flown to like one country to talk to talk to people. So, you know, there's 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 no effort to really stop this. I mean, if you really look into it, our government's not trying to stop it. The Mexicans are not trying to stop it. Central America is not trying to stop it. South, everyone's making money along the way. When these people are flying into South America, the Africans legally on a visa, they have money when they initially get there. They're spending that money wherever they land, you know, and and so, so people are making money throughout this, you know, on human misery, on human smuggling. So there's, there's not been a huge appetite to try to stop it. And, and it needs to be. We need to have politicians that are willing to go down there and say, enough, Brazil, if you don't stop this, these people flying in and then moving up through Brazil, we're going to cut any aid that we send down to you. Gone. It's gone. All right. Same thing with any other country. If you're aiding in human smuggling and allowing this to happen, aid is cut off. We're not going to give you any aid. We're not going to trade. Nothing. You're getting nothing from the United States until we get a handle on this. But people aren't aren't willing to, to to go tough like that. You know, it's it's no, we need to do this. We need to do this. No, just we're the United States of America. Just say, hey, you know what? We're not going to trade with you. We're not going to give you the money that you that you get from us. And, you know, it, it, we're sending billions to other countries to, to, to build them up. If you're not going to help us out, we're not going to help you out. You help us out. We're going to continue to have these trade agreements. We're going to continue to give you money. But if you're not willing to help, no, we're not helping you. Yeah, nobody wants to take that stance. No, And it's no. ridiculous when you take into account the amount of 
foreign aid we give, the amount of money we've just given to Ukraine over the past few years, that we don't have any resources to throw at this problem and stopping it. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we uh, continue to feed the beast of other countries and we're not feeding ourselves where we're, we're, we're not, we're not reinvesting in America. We seem to be investing in everybody else, but we're not reinvesting in us. And, 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 you know, you, you can see that, you know, the United States is starting to have this decay and I love this country and I don't want it to continue on this path. And unless we get somebody in there that is, that is going to put their foot down and then say, this is how it's going to be. And this is where we're going to go. And this is how it's going to operate. We're, we're, we're going to continue to see that. And, and I, I, you know, I don't believe the Democrat party of today is the party to do that. I, I believe the Democrat party of today is, is the party that wants open border, that wants amnesty, that, that, you know, doesn't, doesn't want us to have a, you know, a border patrol on the border that wants to have less law enforcement. Um, and, and look, you know, as a small government guy, I think there, you know, should be you know, deregulation on, on, on some things. We don't need over-regulation. We don't need over-enforcement of, of, of our rights and freedoms. But to be, to be a successful country, you still need to be a nation of laws. And there, there needs to be laws because laws keep you from devolving into chaos. Chaos that we're seeing. That we are absolutely seeing. Where do you see this going? We maintain this current trajectory that we're on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not sustainable what we're doing. It, it's going to lead to riots. It, it's going to lead to people being hungry in the street and a hungry person will do bad things. Uh, any of us will. I mean, an, any person that is put into a situation where it's, it's your life over situation, you may take that opportunity to do something you would not normally do. And we've opened that situation up to occur by allowing all these people to be here. The, the, the homeless population, even here in Colorado, I drive a couple of miles from my house and there, there's, a, there's a reservoir, Cherry Creek Reservoir. There are dozens and dozens, I mean, at least 30, 40 tents set up outside that reservoir of homeless people sleeping there. Where are they getting food? Where, you know, how, it's, 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 it's winter in Colorado right now. I mean, the nights are getting down pretty cold. It's not the coldest. Usually, you know, January, February is, is the coldest for us. It's about to be sub-zero temperatures. How are those people going to survive? And, uh, you know, people do bad things when, it, when it's about survival. But we've allowed that situation to occur, and it, and it didn't have to happen. It didn't have to occur. This administration could have shut down the border. This administration could have redirected more money to our own homeless population. You know, it's funny that California was able to clean up when a communist dictator came into the United States. And they were able to clean the streets from all the crap that was laying around and get rid of homelessness and tents for the three or four days that Z was here. But they don't do anything on any other day. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tired of seeing that. Like, you know, the NBA came here to Denver last year and there was a big home, uh, homeless population in City Park. That homeless population disappeared when the finals were here in, in, in Denver, you know. And you see this happen all over the place. When I went down to El Paso, El Paso was a mess. And then Joe Biden, when President Joe Biden visited El Paso, do you know what they did? They cleaned the streets. They moved the homeless population. The immigrants that were sleeping in the streets outside the churches, they moved them 10 miles away from where he was going to be. They bust them out of the area. They, they had cops and firefighters cleaning the streets of El Paso so that when Joe Biden got there, he saw a clean area 
and no illegal aliens. It's wrong. This is the emperor has no clothes. Like if you read that book as a kid or read it to your kids now, that is that story. Why are we hiding these things? Why are we making these illusions? I don't know where we're heading. I don't know where we're about to go. But if we don't get our heads out of our butt, this is going to be a bad situation. And it, 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 you know, I can tell you this. I can tell you this. You've got to see it for yourself, man. Open your eyes. If, if you're out there, you're listening to this, and, and, and maybe you haven't thought about it, and you hear something that Nick or I are saying, and you're like, man, maybe I should look, in, look into it. Look into it, man. There's, there, the resources are out there. The information is out there. And if you can't find it, go see it with your own eyes. Go to your downtown and see what's going on. Go take a drive. Get out of the comfort of your suburban community if that's where you are and go take a look. Take a look at what's going on in your communities. If, if we don't do it, if we don't stand up and say that we're going to make a change, then we're just going to let this country go down. And I'm not willing to do that. I don't think Nick's willing to do that. You shouldn't be willing to do that either. Do you anticipate that if Biden were to win in 2024, that the rate of increase in this just continues? Yes, absolutely. I, 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 I don't see any other way that, it, that it's not. I, I, really, I really don't. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think he's the leader that, that we want or need for the United States at this time. Um, and and I, I'm not willing to, to, for our values to turn more toward that, that, that socialist, open border, amnesty for everyone attitude. I don't think the United States can, can survive that. We're in an interesting time, a scary time. If, if this conversation shows nothing other than that, is we, we, we're struggling for real leadership. Yeah, absolutely, we are. Absolutely. I'm going to try to be a leader. We'll, we'll see as I, as I run next, ne next November. Uh, you know, but, but yeah, we, 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 we do need good leaders in, in this country. Just, just free, regular thinkers, man. Like Common when, sense when our founders thinkers. made, yes. When our founders created the Constitution, they didn't mean for every lawyer to be, uh, you know, in Congress, right? So, you know, it, it sometimes it just takes hardworking men and women that have built something, you know, in, in their lives, and and who are who are, you know, read and and understand. You don't have to have a master's degree. You don't have to, you know, be a lawyer. You don't have to be a billionaire to be in Congress. I think our founders meant for normal men and women to be in Congress. I also think that that they didn't mean for them to sit there for thirty years. When, when I started running, when I, when I started my campaign, I signed a document that said that I would hold to only staying for, for a few years, for six years, if I make it into Congress, and that I want term limits. Like I would vote for term limits if term limits came up. So because I believe in that. I, I, I don't believe that, that what we have in the political process right now with people staying in congressional positions and Senate positions for their life, I don't believe our founders meant for that to happen. Yeah, all you have to do is look at cases like Mitch McConnell freezing. Yeah. in person to realize something is broken. How can his friends, just his friends, are, are they even his friends allowing, allowing that to happen? I, I mean, he, he served honorably. He served way too long. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's time for someone to step up and say, hey, man, it, it's, 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 time, it's time to retire. You time almost to have home. to ask, him, what to case does this turn into elder abuse? Where we're just, it, yeah. I mean, even with Biden, it's all nobody around him is saying, hey, I mean... Let the guy no. live out his last few years peacefully. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I, I agree with you. Well, John, thanks for doing this. Really, I appreciate you coming yeah, on. No problem. Do you want to plug yeah, fun. where people can find you, your consulting, where they can find your campaign? 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, for uh, you, you can find me on X. I'm very active on X. It's just uh, J-O-H-N-E underscore F-A-B-B, Fab, John E underscore Fab. And then, uh, you know, I, I work uh, with the National Immigration Center for Enforcement. That's at Nice Enforcement on X. I'm also with the uh, Complete Solution Group. Um, you can just look us up. Uh, we have a lot of content o- online. Um, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm running for Congress. So, uh, John Fabricatory for Congress. Uh, if you are so inclined to send me a donation, cause unfortunately it takes money to run in politics and, uh, you know, donations definitely don't hurt. So I would appreciate that. So uh, again, Nick, thanks for having me on. I'm glad I got to spend some time with you and, uh, yeah, I believe the conversation was, was, was pretty good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Yeah. Have a good day. 